So I'm here with William McCartney. William is an engineer and a vet, but he's also an author and an author of the book Vindication and Justice for Michael Mallon. Michael Mallon was the father of Joe Mallon, who was an Irish Jesuit and missionary who lived well into being over 100, but died in the recent past. William Joe Mallon's dad was Commandant Mallon. Tell listeners about him and also why he needed vindication. Yes, it's a strange story and actually it's not a very well-known story. I didn't certainly know that one of our 1916 heroes had this basically slur on his name. I wasn't aware of it. And it was actually Father Joe Mallon, famous Jesuit priest, of course, who himself started a campaign along with the other members of the Mallon family, to try and reverse this travesty, essentially, you know, that here he was, he was executed in 1916, and then for 85 years, basically, everybody just knew him as the executed leader, and then suddenly the British government released all the court papers, which they had held for that length of time, and now the historians started looking at the transcripts. I and many people think it is an erroneous entry into the records of the court system. In the 1916 court-martial trials were totally illegal, haphazard, chaotic. They might only last 10 minutes. They were absolutely a travesty themselves. Poor Michael Mallon was essentially stabbed in the back. They tried to use him as a scapegoat to try and get at Countess Markovich. So they basically altered the records So this transcript now has suddenly changed people's opinion of Michael, which is completely incorrect. Did the transcript say? The transcript really said that Michael tried to claim that he wasn't second in command, that Countess Markovic was actually in command, which actually made no sense whatsoever because the primary witness at the court-martial actually said he was in command and he paraded around Dublin City as the commander, chief of staff. So there was no way, there was even adverts in the paper saying Michael Mallon, chief of staff of the ICA, Irish Citizen Army. So the whole story just actually did not make any sense whatsoever. And that's where Father Joe, he was hoping before he died that he could clear his name, which he felt was unbelievable. What advantage would it have been to somebody putting in that Commandant Malin had tried to say it was Countess Markovic? Because he was executed anyway. I mean, it wasn't going to get him any advantage. He wrote a letter to his wife saying that, you know, he was going to be executed, so he knew that. He was an ex-British soldier, and he knew for sure that a court-martial was only going to go one direction for him. So there was no contest. He never actually spoke at the trial because he just, you know, was what's the point in defending basically a sealed outcome? So the only advantage really was for the British government. They really wanted to get Countess Markovic. Countess Markovic obviously came from basically a royal background, turned into a rebel, a socialist. I mean, this was like unbelievable for the British establishment that somebody would do that. And obviously she was also very active as well and very vocal. So ultimately, the General Maxwell and Lord French at the time wanted her to be executed, but they really hadn't got the the means to do so because they had said they were said initially that the leaders would be executed. So therefore they had the opportunity because of the time of the trials that Michael was actually on the trial before her. If they could get him or not him, but if they could get the transcript to say that, that, that she was in command, then the next day, which was her trial, she could then 
be executed on the basis that she was a leader and their hope was that they could do this to frame her, to get her executed. But as it turns out, a few days later, Prime Minister Asquith rejected that proposal as he could not see that the British public would actually be happy or, or content with a woman being executed. Very interesting. I mean, nowadays, to me, seems it's great you've written this book, but that Joe Mallon himself had to launch a campaign. If people learn nothing about what the British are prepared to do from the Guildford Four and the Birmingham Six, the Widgery Report, whitewash into Bloody Sunday, have they learned nothing that the British would stoop to any level? to do something which makes perfect sense, like let's get the woman, let's get her out of the way, because she was a thorn in their side, there's no doubt about that, and hugely popular. So why did Joe die without his father being vindicated? Yeah, and it's very sad that Joe didn't see his father vindicated, really. Joe lived to his 104. He did try his best, and I suppose elderly years, he was having to grapple with, you know, the whole digital media and everything else, and... He did try his very best to uh, to get a campaign going and you know get some publicity for it and making representations to different people. So I think it did the best it could. Of course, he was in Hong Kong anyway. Again, a big disadvantage. And obviously the Manon family as well and the Hickey family, they helped with him to try to vindicate the name. So there was a campaign going, there was activity, there was stuff out there, but I suppose to have a book would be maybe an extra layer on that whole campaign to try and reverse this slur. Yeah, and what did you do for the book? What research did you have to do? And what have you will bring now to the campaign that might help further what they're looking for? And second follow-up question, what would the vindication look like? What would they want that document removed? I think it's a hard one to know how you do it, but I suppose my feeling, and probably the Mallon family would, would agree, because they, they are behind this project as well, is that you cannot, I mean, historians, Irish historians have just gone with this record and said, this is history, this is fact. They're not prepared to continence that possibly there could be a little bit more to this than just simply saying, this is history, this is fact, that's it. So I suppose a really big step would be to to actually to have history balanced Certainly, as a very first step to say that, you know, okay, the record is there, but in fairness, it's contradictory to the other parts of history. Therefore, we cannot accept it as fact or as determined. So therefore, it is in doubt. If it is in doubt, then therefore, you know, it shouldn't be used as as fact. And that's basically what the historians have done. They've just said, it says this in the book, in the trial notes, this is what it is without any analysis. So I suppose the book has done the analysis now by taking it the next step from what Father Joe had done and has put it into like a, a readable format and if anyone reads the book, they can you know make their own judgment nearly. And I suppose that's one of the, the benefits of the book is obviously to make people come to the conclusion that this is incorrect fact that historians are now just going with court records and nothing else. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of context, as I've mentioned, for why you might not just go with court records, given what we know, as I, to repeat myself, the travesties of justice that the British have inflicted on the Irish in modern times. Is he a casualty of the revisionist school of historical scholarship? Or is it just a lack of doing the groundwork that you've done, of the digging that you've done? 
Yeah, I'm not criticising the historians. The historians, academic historians, they have to do it the way they do it and completely understand that. But I think that it's not black and white, and that's how they run with it. They have decided this is how it is. can't be any other way. And I think there's a lot of evidence when you look. And not just the evidence, it's also it actually doesn't make sense at all. If you think about it, it doesn't actually make any sense whatsoever. So I think it's just like looking from trying to, what's the saying, like trying to find the wood from the trees. They look at it and say, well, this is it. This is what it says. That must be it. But if you look at the whole picture and you look at it all together, it suddenly say, no, it doesn't make sense at all. And you've mentioned a few things there. Tell us a few more things that you think don't show how silly this is. Well, Michael Mullen himself was his character. If you look at his character, he was like teetotal. He was a family man. He was a devoted Catholic. He was basically a very much a sort of nearly a bit sort of out of place in Dublin at the time. He was very man with high values and very, very honourable man. And even that alone, if you just look at his character, the history of his life and his character, there was a trial in India when he was in the British Army. And a man was being convicted for murdering a British officer. Now, Michael was one of the witnesses and he categorically said that man was not the murderer. And he refused, despite intense pressure from the British officers, he refused to actually confirm that the man was the murderer because he was absolutely convinced the man was innocent. So under intense pressure, he would not convict a man. But unfortunately, the man was actually executed incorrectly, obviously. So if you look at his character, that's really what the historians have missed. They've just read this transcript, but they haven't looked at Michael's character, his whole history, his whole life. This is a man that would never do anything like this at all. And also, as you've pointed out, there was nothing in it for him. First of all, he has to throw a woman onto the bus, literally onto the scaffold or before the firing squad, which was a huge thing to do. And for what reason? It didn't serve him any purpose. This is what I can't understand. He was executed when? The next day, was it? So why? There's no rationale whatsoever. But there is a good rationale, perfectly good rationale, for why the record would have been changed. Absolutely. I mean, again, like it's so simple. When you think about it, he wasn't going to get let off. (laughs) There was no way. Especially, just to say, a former British army soldier, they would be furious at that. Here's a former soldier in the British Army who's now turned on them. That would be the ultimate. Absolutely. And of course, the officers who were actually on the court-martial, the three officers, all went to India. So they'd served in India, they knew. And of course, Michael actually got a medal for his service in India as well. So he'd served really well. You know, he'd served honourably, as we'd expect for his character. To think that he would think in any way that he was going to get off. He he wouldn't get off because he wrote the letter beforehand saying, like, this is it, I'm I'm for execution. Yes, because I remember interviewing Joe in his late 90s and he read from the letter, I think, they still have it, am I right? And about how he wanted the wee boy to be a priest and Joe fulfilled that. But he was very young, I think, at the time. Was he born? I'm t- I'm going oh, he, was, yeah, he was yeah, born, he was, but I think he was three or four. Oh, yeah, he was three. He was, very, he was very young at the time. So in that regard as well, there was no total clarity. So I just, I have to be honest, you're very kind to the historians. I'm shocked. I just think that's not great work on their part. I mean, I thought a historian had to contextualise, had to read around, had to evaluate. I mean, it's not value-free history. I've never felt that reading philosophy of history, that historians 
really believe that everything they do is actually totally value-free. They bring a certain perspective to it. Maybe they need to reevaluate that perspective. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's be a great step if the... It's not just the historians, obviously, it's as many people as possible to get the picture, you know, and to understand there's a bigger picture here, a much bigger picture. The historians themselves, they're mostly academic, I don't know how they would react to the book. I mean, obviously, it's not agreeing with their conclusions. They might not agree with it, to be honest. There's a lot at stake here. I mean, if this was my father or my grandfather who gave his life, you know, fighting for the freedom of his country and knowing what I know about the British government, the British way of operating when they're in war situations, to think that his name would now be smeared like that and not be questioned, I think is really hard to take. Have any politicians rode in on this for the Mallon family? That's a sad thing. And I think Father Joe was disappointed that there was no sort of support in terms of general support. You know, it has, he was on a solo mission and as you say, his life is so interconnected to it all. The fact that Michael, his father, said to his wife that if he could become a priest, and, and also that sister, Una, became yes. a nun as well. It is tragic that his life, in a way, was so interconnected to that whole event. And yet, before he died, he never really got to see the justice William, just before we finish, about about yourself, you're a vet and an engineer and how did you get involved? And you're originally from Derry, full disclosure, two Derry people here. What inspired you to write this book? It's a labour of love. Put all that work into it. And how did you come to do it? I'm related by marriage to, into the Maryland family and dealing with the history or finding out about the history, came across this and it just seems absolutely appalling and completely unbelievable that this would be allowed to sit and challenged, you know, properly, since the people would acknowledge it. That's really all that's wanted is an acknowledgement that something was done wrong. And that I said at the start of the book, even if you don't actually agree with me, at least consider the fact there's definitely, this is definitely not like they say. And even if that is the case, then that is grounds for saying he's vindicated because it's not, it's like evidence now no longer sort of clean, it's tampered. With the Birmingham 6, yeah, the glycerine wasn't from Jellignate, it was from playing cards. It's good to put that on the record, isn't it, you know, <laughs> when you find it out. Thank you so much for coming in to speak to us today. Vindication and Justice for Michael Mallon by William T. McCartney. True labour of justice and caring for an important issue. If people want the book, William, how can they get it? There is a website, michaelmallon.ie, and it will be available on Amazon. And it's also available in some bookshops in Dublin already. You would hope that if people would read this, any action they could take from it, write to their local TD, write to the papers, whatever? Yeah, it would be good if the politicians and the government did help. Ultimately, they are the custodians of this history, really. They should in some way acknowledge that there has been a slur or there's something wrong with the British military records. I mean, the, the court marshals were a joke anyway. It has to be somebody in authority or somewhere along the line to acknowledge that there's something really wrong here.